Welcome to the Cello Sherpa Podcast, where we explore all aspects of the climb to the summit from intermediate musician to the professional stage. Check us out online at thecellosherpa.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thecellosherpa. I'm Joel Dallow, your host. I joined the cello section of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra in 1999 and founded the Riverside Chamber Players based in Roswell, Georgia in 2003. Today's episode is sponsored by Clear Resources, your premier resource for compliance, legal, ethics, and risk. For more information, visit them online at clearresources.com. For the first time ever, we have three guests joining us for episode number 20. Rainer Eudikus, our principal cellist who's back after appearing as our guest on episode four, is currently in his third season in the ASO. Tommy Carpenter, our newest member of the cello section, is in his fifth season, and Brad Ritchie is in his 25th season. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Cello Sherpa podcast. Thank you, Joel. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks so much for having us, Joel. Happy to be here. This is my 23rd season, and combined, the four of us have taken nearly 70 auditions and served on a total of 32 audition committees. So there's a lot of experience here on both sides of the screen. Now, back in mid-October, we had cello auditions for multiple openings that we have in our section. The four of us sat on a committee of seven for this audition, and we thought it would be great to have an audition retrospective and talk about what we heard and didn't hear after listening to 99 cellos in the preliminary round. Now, as of this interview, we have had a preliminary round and a semifinal round. The finals are scheduled for November 15th. Just to set the stage, all the candidates walk out on stage and play facing into the hall, while the committee is positioned out in the audience seated behind a screen. This screen will remain up through the end of the final round, and the candidates' identities will not be revealed until we make our selections, and this is done in order to eliminate the potential of any discrimination in our hiring process. So Tommy, let's start with you. How many auditions have you taken? It was about 14. It varies for everybody. I mean, some people win their first job in their first or second audition. Some people take 20-something tries, but I was lucky enough to land my job in the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra at number 14, so very happy about that. Yeah, good for you. So your first time on a committee was actually for a percussion audition, right? Yeah, that was a very interesting experience, and I learned a lot. So talk about that. How did you have any idea what to even listen for? So it took quite a bit of time of preparation just to listen to the excerpts and also try to ask questions to different percussionists about what they're trying to look for in an excerpt. It's really difficult to just show up on the day, have the excerpt in front of you, and then have a clear picture about what to listen for. So I had to do a little bit of homework beforehand. It was a really fun experience to listen to all these different kinds of instruments and trying to imagine myself as a cellist playing along with what they were playing as well, if it was an excerpt that they were also playing with at the time. So mm-hmm. all in all, I learned a lot about different percussion instruments and it was great. How many different instruments would you say you listened to during that audition? It was the associate principal timpani and section percussion. So obviously timpani, there was cymbals, there was a Glock excerpt, there was a few others, but from prelims to semis to finals, it kind of added 
each time to how many instruments that they got to play. Mm-hmm. The one instrument that I loved listening to was the marimba. Oh, yeah. And especially in finals, they were playing some Bach partitas. So that was very, very nice to listen to after the Tchaikovsky 4 symbol excerpt. <laughs> so, Tommy, did you actually go and listen to all of these spots before you sat on the committee? I didn't actually end up getting to have somebody play it for me, but it was just with a lot of listening to the going on Spotify and listening to the different parts of the excerpt. Also, having played a lot of that repertoire before and knowing what these different percussive instruments have at the time, it's very easy to, for example, know what to listen for in Bartok Concerto for Orchestra and just being able to listen for playing in tune and also just different phrasing with that. So do you think that sitting on that committee helped prepare you for the cello audition? I think sitting on that committee definitely gave me a little bit of a help in terms of just the process of being on a committee. Mm -hmm. I had the great fortune of doing a lot of mock auditions when I was in the New World Symphony in Miami Beach. Yeah. And about two times a month, we would just put a screen up in one of the halls and anybody of any instrument could play a mock audition for any random people who wanted to go sit behind the screen and listen to them play mock auditions. What a fantastic way to really learn about what that's like before you're doing it for real. It was so great, not only for the playing part of it and preparing for an audition and feeling what that's like sitting behind a screen, because the first time you sit behind a screen, you don't even know what's going on. You don't know that feeling until you actually do it in the audition. To also be behind the screen, hearing somebody play, and having that educational experience, writing notes. So that was fantastic to learn from that. Yeah, and the reason I started with you was because I thought, since this was your first time serving on an actual cello committee, I was wondering what surprised you the most about being on the other side of that screen. I think what surprised me most was how different a lot of the people played the excerpts. For example, I was pretty fortunate to be in a progression, like going to Cleveland Institute of Music and then from Rice and then New World Symphony and then really gearing towards excerpts. And it was all these schools that I went to and festivals all geared towards excerpts, right? And so when you sit down and actually hear people play, there's a really actually kind of quite a gap between when you hear cellists play and they really know how to play the excerpts. And then there are some that play, and they're good players, but their Debussy sounds like Brahms. Mm-hmm. Their Mozart is just way too heavy. And so things like that, it was really kind of eye-opening as to how large the gap is between one educational experience from somebody and then another. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a lot more about that in detail. Brad, how many times have you served on an audition committee? I haven't counted exactly, but I would say between 10 and 12 times. Okay. And was there anything that surprised you about this process versus the other times you've sat on a cello committee? I'd say the main difference was just the number of cellists we had to hear. 99 was a lot. I think the biggest number was the number of cellists we actually had to hear. I don't think I've ever heard 99 cellists before. 
I'm happy to hear them because I always appreciate the effort that they make to practice and fly themselves in their cello here. I think the least I can do is sit and give them all a shot, but I have to say 99 was a lot this time. As far as the quality, though, I thought the quality was high. It's pretty similar to other cello auditions I've heard here, I think. Mm -hmm. And how would you say a candidate stands out among other candidates when they audition, but in a way that you wouldn't stand out in a section because your job is actually to blend into a section. So you need to stand out in the audition, but you don't want to stand out in the section. So what would you say are the qualities that it takes for somebody to get your ear in that way and get your attention when they're playing behind the screen? Right. So I think the first things we listen for are always the same. It's the sound of the cello. Does it sound like a cello? Intonation, rhythm, and those things. And then what you're getting at is whether that person has more of a soloistic sound or more of a sound that you think is going to blend with a section of good cellists. And that can vary also because they might start the audition round with a concerto and they're probably going to play that differently than they play their excerpts. So potentially if they sound really soloistic with a lot of vibrato or something playing their concerto, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if they go to play their Beethoven 5 and it's sounding similar, then you're going to end up wondering to yourself, how difficult is it going to be for that person to blend into a section of cellos playing Beethoven 5? The approach that you want to take to playing excerpts is similar to the approach you want to take to going to junior high. And that's I don't want to stick out. I just want to play in tune. I want to play with good rhythm and have what I'm doing sound like it's coming from a cello of good quality and not necessarily try to prove your point during the excerpts. So yeah, that's hard. There were some times over the course of these cello auditions where I've heard somebody play very soloistically in their first concerto. And then I was wondering to myself, wow, I wonder if that's even going to be a good fit. But then they toned it down, I guess, for the excerpts and just played solidly. And I think it's possible to be able to play in both styles during your audition round. Yeah. Well, that that's a great segue into what I wanted to ask Rainer, which is, do you think there's a difference in how you listen to an audition for a section player versus a leadership role? And if so, can you explain what you would listen for and what the difference would be? I think there is a difference, but it's primarily one of scale and how much of similar things you would do between the two. I think sort of like what Brad was talking about where, you know, maybe you want to hear the concerto being individualistic and soloistic and free, but then toning things down for the excerpts, perhaps in a principal audition, it's a little bit less of an expectation to tone down, but more just to vary your approach I mean, I've never sat on a committee for a principal cello audition, but I've taken a few. Uh (laughs) And my approach generally is to play each excerpt in a way that would hopefully be inspiring for the rest of a section to want to come along with it. To play it in in a clear way musically that it shows you know the piece, you know the composer, and you make a statement not necessarily in a crazy way, but in a way that just demonstrates the character of the work and the composer for the section to play with you. Yeah. If that answers your question, I will say though, also going back to what it would be like in a section audition scenario, I don't necessarily 
just want everyone to put everything in the box because I think that there's a, a misconception out there where people think that in order to win an audition, you have to play a perfect audition. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often that actually happens, a perfect audition. I mean, I think it's fair to say that out of 99 cellists that we heard, everyone made a mistake of some kind. Yeah. It might not be literally a wrong note or a wrong rhythm, but there might be a choice that someone made at some point in their audition that at least some of us on the committee would consider to maybe not have been a wise one. But the difference between people that get a yes vote from me or a no vote from me is not, did they make a mistake or not? And it's, did I care that they made a mistake? Mm -hmm. Because if they play in a way that is musically convincing, whether or not it's exactly what I would do, if it's in a way where I'm convinced that there's thought and context, if it's clear that they've listened to the piece, if, if not played it, and they play it in the way that makes sense to them, and I can understand where they're coming from, if there's an occasional flub, I'm less likely to hold that against them. But if someone comes in and plays in a way that leaves me, frankly, feeling bored, mm-hmm. and there's no strong statement at all, even in the concerto, nothing, and there are mistakes on top of that, it's harder to be forgiving of that. Yeah. So not that this is the right section of this chat to be throwing advice out to your mm-hmm. listeners, but I would say, yes, there is a standard that everyone needs to meet of pitch and rhythm and tempo and knowing the piece, but we're still listening for music, whether it's a, a principal audition, a title audition, a section audition, no matter what the instrument is, we just want to hear someone play well and we want to enjoy it enough that we vote yes, because we want to hear some more. It's not necessarily about coming in and just checking every box and playing like a machine. I don't think any of us wants to sit with a machine in the section necessarily. We want someone that meets the standard and is also musical. Mm -hmm. Can I piggyback on that? I think some of my worst experiences in an audition is when I went in there and tried to play carefully. Mm -hmm. You have to trust that your training and your practicing has got to this day and now it's time to trust yourself a lot of people show up and they just try to be so careful as to not mess anything up and at least to a committee and even only sat on one you can really tell behind the screen yeah that is true because i was thinking about this when we were putting this conversation together and i wanted to talk about how rayner had originally proposed an audition list just to make it easier on us. I mean, it's a committee responsibility to put this list together, but it was very helpful to have a starting point. And Rayner picked a very specific set of excerpts and a specific set of concertos. And I wanted to talk a little bit about why we were all good with those and what we were looking for in some of those excerpts. So maybe we can help people in a more individualized way. What is it that we wanted from a specific excerpt? What are we looking for when we ask for that excerpt? And when you see a list, does it inform what that cello section is looking for? Or is it really more of a broad based? We want to see what people can offer across the spectrum. Well, I've appreciated both in the past lists and with Rainer's list, we never try to ask for anything tricky it's always just sort of the meat and potatoes. And we have excerpts that show bow dexterity. We have excerpts that show bombast, like left-hand dexterity. And we have some excerpts that show whether or not you can play a lyrical phrase. And I remember in some of the auditions I took before Atlanta, they would throw in like a, a new work that was written 
a week ago and see if you could read that down. And there's Bartok Concerto for Orchestra and really tough things. And I've always appreciated, as long as I've been here, that I could rest easy knowing that we weren't ever trying to trick anybody or throw them for a loop. And for that matter, like the excerpts that we asked them to play usually in the first round are just like the three most standard cello excerpts that you could even imagine. So yeah, I think we do have excerpts that fall into those certain categories, but at the same time, we're not trying to see if somebody can like think fast on your feet or something and catch this trick that we're about to throw them. Yeah, it does make you wonder. I have felt like in the past that I've shown up for some auditions where it seems like the committee just wants to eliminate people. And I think that there is a common misconception from a lot of the community out there that that's what we're trying to do is to just eliminate as many people as possible. And I can say with absolute certainty with this group here that that is not what we were trying to do. We were trying to listen for the best players and to put people in a position to play their best. So let's talk about that first round. That first round, we listened to what? It was either Haydn D first page and a half, Dvorak first page, and Schumann first page and a half. And then the excerpts were Beethoven five theme variations, Brahms and uh, Strauss, Don Juan first page. And when you were listening to that first, and anybody can answer this, listening to that first group of selections, was there some point where you knew, yes, I'm going to vote for this person or no, I'm not going to vote for this person? And I'd be interested actually hear what all of you have to say about that. I think... There's definitely a point. It's not necessarily the same point for every candidate, but you reach a point fairly early on where you know that you're leaning a certain way or the other. I think it might be true to say that a no vote maybe reveals itself sooner than a yes vote in some cases. Although, Joel, I would completely agree that we're not sitting there hoping someone's going to suck so we can cut them. I mean, we're literally every time, you know, candidate number 93, when they come out, we're literally sitting there like, please, please sound awesome. We want everyone to sound really good. That would be a great problem to have. But yes, along those lines, I mean, if if someone comes in and has a, a killer concerto, even though that's not at all part of the job description, really, that is the first impression. That's a great way to come in. And if you just, if you play, so well and so so with so much character and personality and and you make a really good impression that's not going to hurt your case that's a great way to start whereas if someone comes in and kind of has a weak concerto it's going to take some really good excerpts to compensate for that yeah so it's always better to i mean it's easier said than done but it's always a good idea to put yourself in a position of strength by making sure that the first thing you do, which in most cases in a prelim is going to be the concerto, you better make sure it's good. Definitely. If I'm leaning in the no direction, I try to give the person the benefit of the doubt and listen to a few more things before I make a decision. Just because, I mean, first of all, it's just so cutthroat to come maybe from a different city and sit down and play for five or six minutes. The first audition I ever took was for St. Paul Chamber Orchestra. And I went in there super confident, thinking I sounded great. And when I looked out there and saw that screen and started my concerto, my hands were shaking so much that I could barely even control my playing. And I didn't actually hear anybody have that much of a problem this past go around. But I mean, there has to be nerves. We're sitting back there cool as a cucumber, but there have to be nerves. So I tried to delay any decision I have for at least a few minutes to give the person time to breathe for a little bit. 
just to jump back in, I think that's something that I would agree with. You can hear nerves and they tend to work themselves out. There's a difference between someone sounding jittery and then they get their bearings and it improves. And when there's something systemic in their playing where it's just, it's a lack of preparation or there's just some major technical issues that are going to prevent them from nerves or no nerves from playing up to the standard, I think. I think that's where I sit on it as well. I've even proctored some auditions for other instruments where I've actually sat on stage with them behind them and watched them play. And there are some people that just, as soon as they start, I mean, you can just tell that there's so much fear and it's understandable because I've had some auditions too, where you just go out there and you just really try to control your body and control your nerves. So when I'm hearing somebody who obviously sounds nervous, try to give them the benefit of the doubt, let them play through the concerto, see if they kind of calm down in the excerpts. But at the same time, yeah, if you hear a bunch of intonation issues or if you hear even stuff in the concerto and they're distorting the rhythm so greatly, you kind of have doubts about if they're going to play the dotted 16, 30 seconds in Beethoven 5 cleanly. Those things kind of creep into your mind. Yeah, I guess we should put that advice out there that if you're playing your concerto, you might want to have a good idea as to what the orchestra is actually doing when you have orchestra musicians listening to you play that concerto so that you can tell that they are aware of what's happening around them. And again, yeah, nerves. And that I would say, from my experience, that was probably the most frustrating part about listening to 99 candidates, which is close to double what we have listened to in many auditions in the past, is that we were stuck on much more of a time schedule trying to get through everybody. And so you really only have five or six minutes. And I say to people, it's American Idol style. You know, there's not a lot of time. You just come out there and you have to put it all out there quickly and figure it out fast. This is such an important topic. And we had so much to cover in this fantastic conversation with my colleagues that we turned this episode into two parts. Part two will be available on December 3rd. So instead of our usual every other week schedule, we will have a special episode available in one week. Thank you so much for listening to our 20th episode of the Cello Sherpa podcast. We're here to serve you. So if you have questions or topic suggestions you would like to cover in future episodes, please use the contact page on our website, thecellosherpa.com, or tweet them at us at thecellosherpa. You will also find information about the specific services we offer on the website. Don't forget to follow us and rate us on whatever platform you get your podcasts. This helps us climb the rankings so other people can find us. Today's episode was produced, edited, and recorded by me, Joel Dallow.